Uh, nothing much. I think we're having some 5G problems. Um, must be a couple of airliners above us or something, you know, with the airplanes and 5G, they don't go well together. I don't so. think you know anything about 5G. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, oh, I'm fixing your, your sound here just a second. Um, so I, I noticed, you know, we talked a little bit about, about, your, about your face last week. And Isn't it great? Yeah, you see uh, how red and splotchy, and I have all these scabs on my face. It's it's looking it's looking, I guess, a little worse than when I than when I saw you last. Um, yeah, is it is this kind of the worst of it? I hope so. Yeah, <clears throat> I finished the treatment like four days ago. It's a combination of five fu and calpositrine. I use it. I use that cream once a year in the new year to try to kind of wipe all the actinic keratosis, the sun damage from years ago. I do this once a year. Your face looks terrible for about um, a week, maybe two weeks, but it really gets rid of all the uh, sun damage, prevents uh, skin cancer. So um, hopefully by next week, it'll look a little better. So so what you're saying is... <laughs> they say I have a perfect face for radio anyway, not TV. So you, know, and if, and you have if, a better face for TV. If the Wi-Fi is a little little spotchy uh, on on your side and you're a little bit blurry, I'm I'm thinking that most people won't mind that. Is that is that what we're okay. what we're kind of getting to? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you, um, guys. In, in the in the comments there, can you let us know if you can hear if you can hear Doc? Uh, we want to make sure that we come through come through okay. Um, all right, Carolyn, what's going on? Uh, we're going to get to some some questions here uh, that came out throughout the week. Uh, we really appreciate uh, the people who are uh, participating with the with the Q and A portion. Uh, makes our job super easy. Um, okay, let's get to let's just go right into it because this is a, a common question we're getting. Uh, Dr. McCullough is confident that you can't get COVID twice. Well, I just did, and so have many others in our area this week. Uh, second part is I still want to assume natural immunity is great, but this seems to go against what he and others think about possible lifetime immunity. Uh, what do you think about this? And and this is a very common question, and uh, one I'm sure you can uh, you're hearing in the office. That's a great question, and um, yeah, I kind of think that you can maybe get it over more than once just because of treating it all day long. I treated many cases today and two cases they had a confirmed case a year ago uh, with a PCR test that was positive then and a rapid test positive today. So um, yeah, I mean, when you listen to Dr. McCullough talk, who I respect a whole lot, of course, but he says that, you know, the testing may not be adequate. You may not have had a real case of it, but, you know, I, I think you probably can get a hopefully a milder version the second time um you know as as you know um, you can get a cold many times and you can get the flu over and over again why couldn't you get this twice so it's a virus it mutates there's different forms so i think you probably can get it twice and from what i'm seeing clinically um and i believe these people that are telling me this i think you could now most of the people that i've seen the second time is a lot milder maybe because it's the om Omicron version um, or Omicron, however you want to pronounce it. Um, so it seems a lot less virulent and they, um, they seem to be a lot less sick. Um, so it's really interesting. 
And what I'm seeing now, we treated so much COVID today over the phone, you couldn't believe it. I mean, as a matter of fact, when I look at the stats, um, yesterday, there were over a million new cases of COVID in the U.S. The previous high was like four days ago, 600,000. Yesterday, there were over a million documented cases which means that there's many, many more than that because those are just the ones that they're counting or being reported. I mean, most of the cases aren't even being reported. You get the home testing. So, I mean, we're definitely at a peak, um, which is kind of a good thing because I think that what they're saying now, if you can believe them, is that uh, Omicron is uh, 93% of the infections here in the U.S. now. So, um, and it's certainly a much less virulent um, mutation, and that goes along with what I'm seeing. As a matter of fact, it goes along with um, one of my pulmonary doctor friends I spoke with today um, that works on the front lines in the hospital and the units. Um, you know, there's a lot of hospitalizations going on, a lot of people in the units, but much less on the vent, and it doesn't seem to be as quite as bad. And it still follows along with the same risk factor, the same people that are at risk of doing bad with Delta or Alpha or any of them are at risk with this one. Uh, if they're morbidly obese, diabetic, um, low vitamin D, all the risk factors that we've talked about for the last two years. So there's a whole lot more um, uh, COVID out there right now, more than we've ever had by double, uh, but um, less hospitalizations than uh, for example, last January, much less deaths. And we're going to see how this thing plays out in the next week or two, because my gut feeling is that almost everybody is going to, is going to have a version of this. Now, the other interesting thing that I'm seeing is that um, the vaccinated, unvaccinated, boosted, it makes no difference as far as getting this, this uh, COVID right now. I'm seeing probably more fully vaccinated patients than unvaccinated that are coming down with this is probably equal. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a protection against it. If you're vaccinated, I just really don't. Like I've said before, we're not going to vaccinate our way out of this thing. Anybody that thinks that's got to have a loose nut somewhere. Now, does it make you less sick? I think this version anyway is making you less sick. So, um, you know, again, certain people, maybe should get the vaccine. If you're in nursing homes, elderly, morbidly obese, have risk factors, the benefits probably outweigh the risk. So I'm not against it, but um, certainly for younger, healthier people, you know, it's certainly not offering you protection against, uh, against this COVID deal. So we're kind of learning a lot and hopefully when this thing has died down, it's never going to be over. But when it's died down and it's no longer a pandemic, then we'll take what we've learned and um, hopefully use it to protect ourselves. I mean, even the CDC is talking about, well, we need to focus on prevention, maybe in treatment instead of just, you know, vaccinating our way out of this because they're realizing this thing's not working too well. Um, so it's just really interesting uh, what's going on now. So, yeah, I think you maybe can get it more than once. Hopefully the next time will be much milder and you'll have and some B and T memory cells. And they say 30% probably <clears throat> if you've been vaccinated, hopefully a lot more 
uh, for innate immunity, which I still think is the best way uh, to protect yourself. If you get it and do fine, which certainly most people do, as Ben and I will attest to that. Um, so uh, as a matter of fact, I drew my um, antibodies today. I'm interested to see how, how much of an antibody response that I didn't mount uh, with my episode of COVID. You, ought, you need to do yours, Ben. But uh, so I hope that answers your question. I know it kind of goes against what Dr. McCullough said, but, you know, we're learning about this. And, yeah. Um, and, I think, and, and I think that's, I have talked to many people who swore they've had it more than once and tested positive for it. So, and had symptoms, but, um, so. Yeah, that is important to say, you know, this is, this is kind of an ongoing, uh, learning process. And, and I think where you're coming from is, is just based on what you're seeing, uh, every day in the office. And, uh, it's very kind of goes to this question right here that we got on Facebook from Mike. Um, are you aware of any verified COVID recovered patients getting any variants of the virus a second time? And I, I kind of think you, you've already answered that, but you can just confirm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. And then that's probably going to lead to, uh, the, a testing question. Um, do you think the home rapid tests are accurate, um, this, uh, while having uh, symptoms? So if taken while symptoms while having symptoms? I don't think they're very accurate, to be honest with you. Um, I think if you're sick and your home test is, prob is positive, you probably have a virus. Now, which one it is, who knows? Uh, you know, who knows what to believe? But um, what I'm noticing, too, that's a little bit different with this uh, Omicron variant is people aren't losing their taste and smell as much as they did before. I don't know if anybody can confirm that, what you're hearing or seeing, but and uh, a lot of the ones that I've treated today still had taste and smell, um, unlike the previous. And they, like I said, they seem, seem to be a lot milder. So, no, I don't think the home tests are really accurate. Um, the PCR is definitely um, more accurate, but you have to wait two days. So, you know, we want early treatment for this thing. I'm still treating early. Um, of course, I still think early detection and treatment. So I'm all for home testing, but it doesn't seem like they're real accurate because you can take, you know, two or three, take two first negative tests, third one's boom, it's positive. So I've seen that many times. So, but, you know, my gut feeling is I don't like you testing if you're not symptomatic. I just think it's, you know, it's almost worthless. I know that goes against the grain, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's just, why would you test if you don't have symptoms? Um, right, right. You know, unless you're going to grandma's house and you're just overly worried about it. Um, I guess that'd be a reason to, but just to live your daily life, you know, because everybody's going to be exposed to this or, or already has been exposed to it probably. Um, keep your immune system healthy. Get early treatment if you get sick with it. And um, I'm finding I'm not having to use as many monoclonal antibodies. Besides that, they kind of, took them away from us because they thought two weeks ago, they thought it was mostly Omicron. Then they found out the CDC comes back a week later after they'd taken a lot of the monoclonals uh, that be, they were being sent out. And um, a lot of people died because of that, because they, were, they had Delta, you know, which was very responsive to monoclonals. Uh, I certainly took them. Um, we don't know yet about Omicron if it's, uh, if you need monoclonals. I sent, I think I was able to get two people in for that today, but that was infusions um, in another part of the state. Here, I haven't been able to get anybody in for it. And so 
you know, it was another big gaffe that the government pulled off again uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, so, well, and, and speaking of, of monoclonal antibodies, uh, Kay on Facebook is asking uh, about the availability. Um, we had an email come in uh, about having trouble um, getting qualified uh, for monoclonals and where they, they might not have been uh, you know, previously with, with Delta. Uh, what's your, what are you seeing um, inside the office, you know, calling these pharmacies? Yeah, like I just said, it's very hard to get. I mean, you just can't get them right now around here. Um, maybe the hospitals can still have some infusions if you can get in there and get them. But, you know, there's, there was such a long waiting period two or three weeks ago. Now it's going to be really difficult, but you know, they need to be reserved the IV infusions for the really at risk people, of course. Um, but I, I haven't known anybody that, that does a sub Q shots right now that has any in my hope is that Pfizer comes out and they get these monoclonal antibody pills out which we know are effective for Omicron. Um, so they need to rush order on those things, in my opinion. But um, again, early treatment with the stuff we use, Ivermectin works, um, along with the other stuff, the high-dose vitamins, Azithromax or Doxy, um, sometimes steroids, um, and um, a lot of other kind of repurposed drugs that we use. Uh, but we spent all day treating it today. Um, um, let's go many, to, many cases. let's get to a question that came out through, through the week. Um, this is a, a very, the, the questions seem to have a common theme. Uh, they say if you have had COVID or Delta that you can catch Omicron because it evades mm -hmm. antibodies. But if you get Omicron first, you are protected against COVID and Delta. How is this possible? Um, my assumption is that the, the, it's a mutation so that you, so that mutations don't go back. Um, but that's, you know, me being ignorant. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think there may be some validity to that if you think about it. I mean, if you um, get the less virulent one, you're still going to get some antibodies produced. And there's a lot of cross-reactivity between them. So, you know, I think if you've had Delta, you're much like less likely to get this other version coming around because you got a lot of strong antibody response to uh, the, the spike protein. Now, it seems uh, so what time will tell it seems this question is saying if you get omicron first you're protected against the the previous variants um are you nobody knows that okay nobody knows i don't know super interesting just to get this guesswork uh let's get to a couple couple quick ones here um before we get to the 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 comments um, have you any ideas on how to regain smell smell back due to loss from COVID? Yeah, you know, um, of course, uh, zinc really helps. Um, I like to tell people to use Flonase um, over the counter nasal steroid. Um, I like uh, high dose omega threes, four grams a day. I like uh, NAC and lacetylcysteine. I use ivermectin as well. And a lot of times I've seen that reverse it pretty quickly. So you just try anything you have. A uh, low-dose naltrexone may work. Um, now, so, and, and then retraining your brain to smell again um, you, sometimes you, helps. You wouldn't try those all at once, though, would you? Is there a, is there a specific order you'd go? Um, no, no. I'll just say try zinc, try flonase. Um, try um, ivermectin, um, orange peels. That's a good comment. We, we've heard people 
say that may help a little bit um, anecdotally. Who knows? Um, but I've had some people that, you know, they don't have it back a year later. Um, I know I got mine back within a couple weeks. Uh, but great question. It is a great question. Um, this is a, a another COVID question uh, about symptoms. Uh, is it normal to test positive for COVID with only laryngitis as a symptom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of times I'll see just a sore throat or a runny nose and no other symptoms. Um, a lot of times, very few symptoms at all. Um, so... Um, this is going to be a non-COVID question. Uh, how do you treat and or find endometriosis? Um, endometriosis is a condition where you have your, the endometrium is the line, inner lining of your uterus. It's what sloughs off every month and you have a period. Um, endometriosis is when that lining, uterus, uterine lining, uh, goes other places besides your uterus, like in your intestines, on your bladder. Um, and it causes a lot of problems, uh, like pain, cramping, very heavy periods. Um, and really the, the, the diagnosis is really made through, uh, laparoscopy where you, they go in with a scope and look around. Um, but you can sometimes kind of infer it by, by the symptoms that people have, that they do have that. Um, a lot of times it will not show up on an ultrasound or a CAT scan. Um, so, um, it's hard to treat. It's really hard to treat. All right. Let's go to, um, a myocarditis question. How long after either COVID or the vaccine do you think you're out, uh, out of the at risk for myocarditis timeframe? Well, you know, most of the time when you get the vaccine, especially it's hitting younger teenage boys worse than anybody for the vaccine. That usually happens within a couple weeks, but I'd give it a month for sure. Um, and remember, anything COVID can cause, which can cause myocarditis, so can the vaccine. Um, so you got to weigh the risk versus the benefits. As a matter of fact, I had a patient today um, whose daughter got her first vaccine and the daughter was uh, I think 20 years old and uh, got the vaccine and the next day was in the emergency room with chest pain and um, you know that she's having a myocarditis workup you know the kind of mimic a heart attack they may have positive troponins that we which is a blood test we use when somebody goes into the ER with chest pain indicates myocardial damage we do an echo. So um, it can happen pretty quick. It can happen two weeks later. I would definitely can for a month. And certainly if you have um, a really bad case of COVID, it can uh, cause it as well, as well as inflammation of all the lining of your arteries. That's why you take aspirin or mm. uh, some of the other uh, more natural blood thinners, you know, like natokinase, and, et cetera. Um, this is a follow-up to that. Uh, do you think it is as likely with actual COVID as with the vaccine? Um, would someone know if they had myocarditis, mild myocarditis without testing the heart? That's a tongue twister, mild myocarditis. <laughs> uh, well, um, you're not going to know it unless you have symptoms and get a workup for it. So, um, 
certainly they do an EKG, which can give you a clue, uh, an echocardiogram, blood testing. And um, as far as, you know, actual COVID can give it to you too. But it seems like to me, uh, we're seeing more of it in, in younger people that have had the vaccine. Um, you know, most young people that get COVID, they just do fine. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of controversy about whether you should vaccinate your kids or not. Um, so, you know, you got to weigh the risks versus the benefits. Um, hasn't been studied enough in kids. Most vaccine that they do in kids, which is our most precious population, in my opinion, you know, take years before they're approved. And so they're really pushing this thing out when kids just, they just don't get too sick with it. And I, I know there's a lot of hospitalizations now with children, but the thing about that, when you, when you listen to those statistics, um, you need to find out how many are actually in the units on a ventilator. Very, very few. And if they are there, they have a lot of bad premorbid conditions. And when you also listen to the statistics on how many kids are in the hospital with COVID, uh, even Dr. Fauci would, will say this on air. Um, you know, if they go in with a broken arm or appendicitis or anything they go in the hospital with, they, they'll test them. If they turn out to be positive, then they're going to say that's uh, a COVID hospitalization. When most of the time they're in there for something else, not even COVID. But, you know, you can't ignore kids being sick with COVID. They can be. And uh, so you want to take every precaution you can and, and treat early. But the statistics are kind of, of skewed a little bit on that. And for sure. Uh, Bianca has a question about physical activity in, in uh, COVID with myocarditis. Is, is this basically saying should you limit physical activity for a time after COVID? Uh, is there any correlation between physical activity and myocarditis? You should limit limit. Uh, intense physical activity uh, after you have COVID um, or even after a vaccine. You can still do walking and mild stuff, yoga, but I would not go hard and do HIIT training <clears throat> for a month after you do COVID. Even for NCAA athletes, they require you to have, if you have COVID, you're going to have to have an echocardiogram to get cleared to, to participate again. Mm. So it's, it's the risk or minor but still i mean you do not want to have a sudden cardiac death in a young athlete and so for the adults that have it i'd really go slow i mean you know the one thing that uh covid does over anything else i think is make you really weak and tired and inflamed so i would uh take it real easy i really would for a while work your and, and go by symptoms if you have any prolonged shortness of breath and uh, any chest pain, of course, it needs to be checked out because um, it's treatable. Sometimes we use steroids, sometimes just anti-inflammatories. Definitely stay on your blood thinners like aspirin and maybe uh, natokinase, lumbokinase, and um, curcumin and some of those other things and uh, omegas, high-dose omegas. And uh, I, I believe you said around a month, um, seems Bianca jumped right in, got, got a little uh, over-eager um, getting into to HIIT training. Uh, you're saying around a, a month after COVID? Well, to, and, and somebody as good a shape as Bianca without any symptoms, probably a couple of weeks. You know, I know she's supremely fit and used to this stuff. So, but play by ear. If you feel bad, you know, back off a little bit. 
So you need to go into your orange theory uh, every day for sure. Uh, back off a little bit and just be sensible. You're probably fine, but definitely stay on your aspirin and, and all your other, your knack and your omegas and, and all that. You're probably fine. Plus, you probably had a mild case you know, anyway, much less likely to have uh, pericarditis with a mild case. All right. Let's, let's talk post-COVID about... tachycardia. Yes. You... So uh, we had an email come in. Um, actually, I believe this was on uh, Instagram. Uh, just asking a little bit about post-COVID tachycardia. Um, it, what's your, you know, how are you looking at this when someone comes in for that? Um, just what's a general overview on what it is? I've seen a lot of it. it just means you, your heart rate won't go back down to normal for a while. I've seen it many times. Um, that's another, if you have that, that's another indication that you shouldn't over-exercise. Okay. Um, you need to recover. Remember, when you exercise hard, especially your recovery times is as important as your, your HIIT training. So um, we are seeing a lot of post-COVID tachycardia. Um, you know, it, it can even lead, especially in women, to POTS syndrome. Uh, you know, postural uh, orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. They can get a really fast heart rate and feel terrible. A lot of times I use beta blockers for that. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I call one in today for uh, a lady that was having that. And uh, I use a Vabradine, but man, it's really expensive. So I had to use something else on, on her. But, um, uh, but anyway, that's a great question. I'm seeing a lot of that. Let's get to, to one more question that came through Facebook uh, that I forgot to type in here. Um, let's see. Uh, and this should be a, a quasi simple one. What everyday vitamins do you recommend for a 12 year old? Um, it seems a 12 year old is around 88 pounds. Anything you're recommending for, for that age group? Just routinely or if they have COVID? Just routine. Every, every day. Yeah. Vitamin, vitamin D, vitamin C, a multivitamin. A probiotic, those would be the, the big ones that I would use for, for them. All right. Um, um, okay, so let, let's get to the live portion of the show. Um, we're going we're gonna to get into uh, the comments here. We really appreciate uh, all the um, activity that's going on there. And uh, like we always say, guys, if, if you um, have any um, insight or input that you want to wanna add to one of Doc's uh, answers or, or the conversation we're having, please put them in. Uh, those comments are uh, as helpful or more um, than, than our answers. So, so go ahead. Ben, and, go ahead. I hate to interrupt you, but before, were you going to ask me that question? Somebody asked me last week about what books I read. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. For the show. Yeah, yeah. Because um, um, I did, I, I set a few up here and somebody asked about what kind of things can do do you read and all? Yep. Of course, I read incessantly, and I've got, but I've got a few sitting around here um, that you may be interested in. And again, if you go on my booklet, performancemedicine.net, I have a picture of all, well, in my big bibliography on a lot of the things that that I uh, like to read, especially if that you're was Tracy. talking about. <laughs> Tracy, there you oh, go. Oh, Tracy, hey. So, uh, so we're going to get to the book recommendations. Uh, you're going to enjoy this, but I'll do a more, um, I'll do a, a more expounded on it later on a podcast, but, uh, this is a good book. How not to die. Um, I like, uh, chronic. It talks a lot about Lyme disease and autoimmune diseases. Um, of course, 
I love fat for fuel. Um, gosh, there's so many that I just can't. Um, Better Brain Solution, you know, I, I love the books by by that. And, um, of course, one of my favorite brain books, of course, of all time is The End of Alzheimer's by Dr. Bredesen. Just a wonderful book. Um, I use this protocol. And um, I like these seven pillars of health uh, by Dr. Colbert. That was one of the first ones ever that got me into really integrated medicine. Um of course, I like Suzanne Summers. She's not a ditzy blonde. She's a very smart lady. Yeah. I've talked to her. She comes to a lot of our meetings. A lot of women will really benefit by reading her books. She has several um, hidden food allergies. Are they making you fat? Um, here's a great one by Dr. Sinclair at Harvard um, on lifespan. That's a great, you know, I do a lot of anti-aging and I really love this book a lot. Um of course, breathe. I love the, the book breathe. I think that you gave me Ben by uh, James Nestor. Great book. Um, you know, um, the supplement pyramid. Um, I love that book. I learned a lot about vitamins through that. Um, I'm, you know, I do a lot of, I like to delve into our, the um, economy of medicine and our healthcare system in general, because I go off on it a lot, as you know, um, an American sickness by Elizabeth Rosenthal. She's, an, she's a doctor at Harvard Medical School. She's now a journalist. Great book on what's what's happened to our healthcare system, which has really been bad. And Ben, here's one you gave me for Christmas, The Longevity Economy. And you know, I love this book. It talks a lot about the Japanese who are the longest living people in the world and kind of how they're different, how they treat their older people, you know, than we do. You know, being old in, the, in this country is not not a good thing. Uh, but in Japan, it's revered and it's a good thing. They live a long time. And here's, here's another book I got, uh, somebody gave me over the holidays and I had fun reading that one. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I thing had a, got I had a feeling you were going to post that one. And this isn't a book, but look what else I got. <laughs> I love this. It's a Fauci doll with a mask on. <laughs> I think you get a big kick out of that one, but, uh, Yeah. I use uh, that in my office. So um, I'll try to make a YouTube video on all the literature that I read. And, you know, I've been doing this for years and I try to sort through all the good stuff. And um, of course, my favorite book on hormone, male hormone replacement is Testosterone for Life by Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler, urologist out of Harvard. And I got into a long discussion with one of my patients today uh, who has prostate cancer. And of course, Testosterone is not contraindicated uh, for prostate cancer. So um, that's that's an interesting subject and a great book. I've met Dr. Morgan Taylor several times at some of our meetings. But uh, so for any man out there, uh, read Testosterone for Life. But uh, those are all kinds of great books. And, you know, I love sitting Dr. Fauci's little thing up on my mantle a lot, you know, at the office. It reminds me of why I'm practicing medicine. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, and, and, for, and for those who, you know, I, I know you went through those pretty quickly. We will, uh, we'll do a, a special segment on those books. Um, if, and after the show, you can, you can kind of rewind that back and, 
and and take notes on on those books. Um, but we will we'll we'll come out with some more stuff that shows all that uh, in more detail and and uh, uh, with some links or something so you guys can can you know uh, dive in a little bit deeper if you want to. Um, okay, so let let's get to the um, to the comments here. Let's see um, where we are. Uh, oh, oh! Thank you, uh, Lisa, uh, sharing this. Thank you, Lisa, for for sharing the the live broadcast. Uh, guys, we we love for you guys to share it with your friends. Um, we do this every single Tuesday. We'd love to uh, have more and more people hang out with us. Um, let's see here. Let's go to the top. I, I believe uh, Elena. Okay, here we go, Elena. Uh, should calcium and magnesium be taken together, and if so, uh, in what form? No, I would not take calcium at all. You know, I, I try to pull calcium from people's uh, vitamin regimen all the time. I, I stopped it on a lady today. You do not need a calcium supplement. I don't care if you have osteoporosis, get it through your food, green vegetables, but you don't need calcium. It doesn't replace bone anyway. Magnesium, yes, you need magnesium. Take it at night. It has so many good uh, effects, but um, I don't recommend calcium the extra supplements of calcium anymore i know that goes against the grain but you know i think there's other ways if you do have osteopenia or osteoporosis that you can build your your bones back up one being bioidentical hormones exercise um especially the the uh great exercise like the trt which i love um i think we have a special guest in here somewhere that does a lot of training with that uh, but, um, of course, I like uh, vitamin D with K. The K makes a D, bring the calcium in your bones, not your arteries. So um, I don't like those magnesium-calcium uh, combinations. I just don't like them. Uh, so just take your magnesium at night and do all the other things you can. Uh, so um, Let's get to Evangelon's question here about Botox. Uh, is Botox safe for an individual with a high histamine intolerance? You know, that's a good question. I have seen a couple people that uh, from doing a ton of Botox through the years um, have what may be a histamine-like reaction to that or even fillers. So if you know you have um, you know, a mast cell problem or a histamine problem, then on the first Botox, you may want to get just a test dose of Botox, um, you know, just to make sure you're not going to react to it. Um, but it's very rare. Um, and it can be even be seen with, with fillers. Uh, you know, there's certain precautions I take more so with fillers than I do Botox. But Botox is really probably the most studied uh, drug in the history of, of medicine. And for the most part, it's very, very safe. As you know, we use it for a lot of different reasons. But if there's that concern, then possibly you should get just a test dose, just, you know, two or three units, um, put it in a place where, uh, you know, it's not going to bother you. Like, uh, let's see if you raise, have a, a histamine reaction to it. But that's a great question. Hardly anybody's ever asked me that. But I have found a couple of people in hindsight that I think that's, that's probably what happened to them. And, uh, but you see that with a lot of different things. I've seen it with uh, breast implants. Um, years later, they can't figure out why they feel so sick. And, uh, and it's because they had reaction. And whether you call it multiple chemical sensitivity or what, 
but um, it's a foreign body, you know, that's being put injected into you. So rare, but possible. Great mm -hmm. question. Great question there, Evangeline. Thank you for that. Um, let's go to Doug here. Oh, sorry, Keto Vendita. I, I didn't mean to put that on there. But yes, we, we did get to 9,000 uh, subscribers. Thank you for, uh, for, for mentioning that. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Uh, Doug asks, are there any tests one should get after recovering from COVID-19, i.e. heart, neurological, etc.? It depends on the symptoms. But definitely, I love to run the Cleveland Heart Panel on people um, who uh, are recovering from COVID, especially the long haulers. And also, if they haven't had one, I get a CT calcium scoring on them. Um, and it looks at their heart and their lungs. Um, you know, so many people that have had COVID had COVID pneumonia. So it doesn't surprise me a bit when I order an x-ray to see some patching filtrates on their chest x-ray. But, uh, you know, depending on symptoms, but, you know, the, the Cleveland checks your inflammatory markers and vitamin levels. And uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful test. Your adrenals, your thyroid, which you can kick off, um, you know, uh, Gosh, COVID can make so many things worse. Uh, had a patient today who had a seizure disorder. And seems like um, got worse after having a round of COVID. Uh, so I had to switch some medicines up a little bit. But uh, those are the main things. Yeah, I would do blood work. Whether or not you get, you know, maybe a, uh, if you have POTS, we do a, you could get a tilt table test. Uh, but definitely blood work. Uh, sometimes I'll do an EKG if you're having a lot of tachycardia, halter monitor. This depends on the symptoms, but um, that's another way. And also, it's throwing, it's throwing a lot of people into early menopause, hmm. screwing their hormones up. So you know, definitely check your hormones uh, if you're in that age or if you're on hormone replacement therapy and you're having some breakthrough uh, symptoms. So, uh, yeah, great question. All right. Uh, seven stars on YouTube. Is there any antihistamine I can take with gabapentin and Zoloft due to long COVID and MCAS? And I, I believe we went over MCAS uh, last week. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, you know, I don't think it would bother you to take um, Claritin. I would go with that, you know, non-sedating form of antihistamine if you can since you're on Gabby Penton, which can make you drowsy. So that that'd probably be the safest one you could take. Um, certainly um, NAC. I really like NAC's not an antihistamine, but it has some properties of an antihistamine. Um, and you know, eat clean. You know, watch you know what kind of food you eat that may uh, trigger um, an allergic type reaction, but uh, that that's my gut feeling as to what you should do. I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, you know, sometimes it, instead of using a steroid, if I think I need one and say you're diabetic or, you know, you don't want the side effects that uh, prednisone or decadron can give you. Sometimes I use hydrocortisone. I use that a lot for adrenal uh, fatigue. Um, when you have really low cortisol levels and it tends to help uh, is hydrocortisone. You just don't see those side effects that you do with prednisone and uh, decadron and that, that sort. So um, if it is severe. So get your adrenals looked at too uh, if you have 
uh, MCAS or uh, histamine problems. All right. Uh, hello, BJ. Great to see you in here uh, with a, a great question um, about one of the therapies recommended by Dr. McCullough. Uh, what is your opinion of the use of oral nasal virucidal therapy recommended by Dr. McCullough? Virucidal. Yeah, I use them. I mean, you know, I use them for any virus. But, uh, yeah, certainly um, the betadine nose spray, which I think I have some at my office now. You can stop by and get that if you want, BJ. I saw it in my office. I certainly ordered some, you know, when when uh, I came down with COVID. Now, I've always, I always use a little bit of... Uh, Coilodal silver sprays. I, I love that, especially if I'm, you know, coming down with something. Uh, I will use that, and I like Xlear, uh, which has xylitol in it. I'm all for all that stuff, um, and I also use. I love honey. You know, I'm really going to start producing honey. I think that's my next goal for next summer. My brother has some hives. I really want some. You know, to, I really want to be able to bring that honey into my business. Um, of raw unpasteurized honey, local honey. But I, I also have some Manuka honey that I have. And I, I like Manuka honey too. It has a lot of uh, uh, virucidal and also antibacterial uh, activity, even against MRSA and those type of things. So I love honey. But yeah, I'm all for all those things. Uh, just, it was just brought. So this is what I use. There's my silver spray. And here's the stuff I have in the office, basically, basically betadine nose spray. I also have some betadine mouthwash that I use. Um, I think I got the betadine mouthwash over at Max, but um, certainly those are all all good. They they're pretty virucidal. I really believe in them. All right, thank you for that, BJ. Um, this is a a common question. Do you recommend a flu shot for for anyone? Um, I mean. You know, they don't seem to work real good. Um, they work about 30% of the time. But, you know, if I was in a nursing home or, you know, that really elderly and if the flu is going to kill me, then, you know, I may think about it. I'm not, I'm not totally against them. <clears throat> you know, um, they kind of guess on on which ones are going to pass through. It seems like I'm always getting it wrong. And for many years as a doctor, you know, I've been doing this 36 years, I would have all these patients tell me, you know, because I would recommend a flu shot. And um, they tell me, every time I get a flu shot, I get the flu. Or it makes me sick. And I'd go, that is total BS. There's no evidence <laughs> of that at all. You hear that from probably your, your regular doctor now. And, and I couldn't have been more wrong. I'm, I'm not kidding you. There's so many people that it just is, doesn't react well with them. I've seen some pretty horrendous um, reactions from flu shots. Um, so, you know, if you're at risk, fine, but, you know, do the other stuff, like take your vitamins and, you know, use the hygiene measures and all. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot from this, you know, this COVID uh, pandemic on, on what we need to do in the future. And, you know, the, the learning lesson is take care of your own immune system. Yeah. And you should be able to fight off these things. And plus, we have great medicines for influenza now. Tamiflu, Zofluza, which is a one dose. I mean, um, certainly get in there and get tested. And if you've got the flu, we can treat it. Um, high dose vitamin C and vitamin D, zinc. You know, all those things we're using for COVID work for the influenza as well. 
Um, so uh, it's, a, it's a great question and, and a common one. Um, uh, let's see. Did we lose you guys? I think we did. Um, hopefully we'll come back. Oh, there we go. Uh, I told you, uh, my, my Wi-Fi has been uh, a little weird uh, with, the, with the weather change. Can, can you hear me okay, Doc? Yeah, you're kind of spotty. You're coming in and out. Um, um, well, hopefully, hopefully the, but uh, Mike, I hope can, if you can hear me, uh, I'm reading the question, uh, Mike, can you, could you talk a little bit more about inacetyl, uh, tyrosine? That's a little different than, uh, uh, the knack, but so I don't, I don't know much about it. I've had a couple people mention it to me, you know, tyrosine, um, is a really interesting, uh, amino acid. Um, it really it's, it's a precursor to uh, serotonin. So I think it, I think it may help in cases like ADD, ADHD, um, and even in depression. Um, so sometimes I use it for those purposes, you know, um, before I'll put on, put you on a heavy hitter for those, um, like a stimulant or maybe even, um, uh, an antidepressant if, if I can avoid it. But uh, so, yeah, tyrosine is just a really interesting compound. It has a lot of, a lot of good uses and a lot of, a lot of people use it for a myriad of other reasons too. A lot of people that work out a lot will use it. Uh, it seems to have some positive effects on exercise. So um, I hope that helps you. Um, uh, it's a, Mike. it's a, it's a great question, Mike. And, and I, originally I was thinking it was uh, inositalcysteine and then I, I, I read it more. I'm like, no, that's not what he's asking about. Um, okay, let's see what this is. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, let's uh, the okay. So Janet saying, don't know if you can comment on this on here or not, but I've been seeing a lot of recipes on YouTube for homemade uh, HCQ using grapefruit and lemon peels and water. Uh, have you heard of this? And I, I'm thinking HCQ is um, hydroxychloroquine, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's, I haven't heard of that, you know, homebrew. I've heard of people, you know, getting their ivermectin from tractor supply and using it, which you really, you should get the real stuff. I mean, we can get hydroxychloroquine, um, you know, through the pharmacies now, and, you know, it doesn't have such a, uh, they've kind of backed off of that one. And, uh, you know, because of now they went after ivermectin, which seems to work maybe a little bit better than, uh, than hydroxychloroquine. So, um, but, uh, so I don't know about that, Janet, that's a, that's a recipe that I don't know nothing about. Um, that's interesting. Interesting though. Thank you for that, Janet. And it, and it does seem Mike meant knack. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, so talk about um, knack for a little bit. Okay. That's, I'm glad you brought tyrosine up. Um, you know, tyrosine, I thought inacetyl might have been just a form of tyrosine, but uh, so yeah, uh, inacetylcysteine is a a great a great supplement. I've been taking it for years. Um, what it mainly does is uh, promote your body to produce more glutathione, which is the the major antioxidant in the body, certainly the most powerful one. Um, so um, use it for that purpose. It also um, has a lot of other properties. One of them being it's, it's really good against viruses. Um, it is good for long haulers. You know, I use it 
um, is one of the, the main line treatments for COVID, both um, when you get COVID and, and for long COVID, long hauler syndrome, I use it for that too. But uh, I think I did a, a podcast on NAC, didn't I, Ben? So you could probably uh, yes. refer yes. back to that yep. in one of the archives. And it wasn't that long ago, but it's just a wonderful, wonderful supplement. I've been taking it for quite a while now, and I really do like uh, NAC. But I'm, new, I'm glad you made that mistake and so I got to talk about tyrosine a little bit too. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Mike, if you but, want me to send you that link, uh, you could just DM uh, the company page here, uh, the Performance Medicine's page, and we'll, we'll send you a link to, to the, I think it's called the Power of NAC. Um, is, you know, the interesting too, the thing about NAC, Mike, is their Amazon has taken it off their shelves. So it's hard to get. And uh, although it's a, a uh, it first came out as a prescription medicine back in the 60s um, called Mucamist. It was a prescription medicine and we used it for uh, Tylenol overdoses. You know, I, I can't tell you when I worked in the ER how many times I used that one with kids that had Tylenol overdoses. And that drug saved thousands of kids from dying of a, an acetaminophen Tylenol overdose. Um, it has great effects on the lungs as well. It acts as a mucolytic. Um, but so originally it was a prescription medicine and but it's been a supplement. It's been sold as a supplement for, um, you know, over 50 years. And now they want the, the, uh, FDA wants to take it, you know, off the market as a supplement. And my guess is because it works for COVID, you know, is my best guess is for some reason they don't want any, they don't want you, uh, buying any supplement that actually may help you against COVID. Now, why it's just absolutely stupid but um you know so i hope that helps you uh, understand knack a little more but i have knack at my office um so um thank you for question. for that mike and and i think the 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 one life extension makes i think it's called anti-alcohol so uh, sometimes that's one of them they also make a knack they also make it i like too. the anti-alcohol um which has selenium and also some milk thistle and a pretty high dose of NAC, like 1200 milligrams, whereas the NAC usually comes in about 600. Mm. So it's a great product. Um, uh, all right, let's get to, to, to Lisa's question here. I am post-thyroidectomy and partial uh, parathyroidectomy due to thyroid cancer. If I don't take calcium daily, my level drops and I get numbness around my lips. Is there something else I could take since you don't like calcium? No, you should be one that takes calcium. Okay. You, you know, I'm, again, Lisa, I'm talking about prevention of osteoporosis. You know, the parathyroid gland regulates calcium metabolism. And uh, do definitely stay on your calcium okay. uh, for that purpose. Uh, I'm glad you said that because it's not a, I shouldn't say a blanket statement. Don't take calcium, but that's a, that's a condition where you do need to take your calcium. So, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for Great. putting that thank in there, you. uh, Lisa and clarifying, uh, for, for everyone. Um, so there definitely is situations where, where you do need to, to take calcium. Lisa, it seems that, uh, that you should be taking, uh, still be taking calcium. Thank you for that question there. Um, let's get to, to Mark's uh, question on YouTube. Uh, while last year's flu season in the United States was the, was the lowest it's been in decades, this season's uh, number of patients with both flu and COVID surfaced in the U.S. as early as spring 
And uh, let's see if the if I can find the second part. There it is. Israel, of course, first case of Florona uh, being affected with the seasonal flu and COVID-19. Do you think this is mutating into another health concern? What treatments would you suggest? So it seems uh, that he's talking about the combination of both flu and COVID. Mm. Um, and Mark, yeah. if I'm wrong, you can uh, correct me uh, in the comments and uh, we'll, we'll, um, we'll clarify there. there. There is a test that you can get. Um, it's a nasal swab. Um, and it's called, gosh, I just blanked out on it, but we, it's not available through our lab. You have to, you have to go to some doctor's offices will have it. Certainly urgent care will have it, but it's a fourplex test. It, it checks for, um, COVID, um, flu. It checks for, um, I think strep and also RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, all in one swab. So and it may be a throat swab, but um, because it picks up strep. But yeah, I mean, we we did see a little bit of flu earlier on this summer, even. So um, you know, uh, I think it's it's weird. We saw virtually no influenza last year, um, probably because everybody was staying in and maybe practicing better hygiene and uh, COVID was just dominant. So, um, but yeah, I mean, these viruses are going to, are mutating and they're, they tend to be seasonal. I think that's what's going to happen with COVID. It'll be a seasonal flu like thing. And certainly if you have great tests where you can determine which one it is and you can hit it from both angles. Like if you had both of them at the same time, I'd certainly hit it with everything you know, that I use for COVID plus probably some Tamiflu or Zofluza. And I would still recommend the high dose vitamins. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be really interesting, Mark, to see what happens. And, you know, um, Israel's, uh, it's just an interesting country with, um, you know, how much, how much stuff's gone on there and what they've done about it. And, you know, they're, they're even given fourth boosters over there for some reason. And, course it's not helping much but um uh but anyway uh thank you for that uh for that uh mark and i'm gonna put this up here from from molly because i think she's talking she was in reference to the the calcium uh so the question is does this mean no bone restore which is a, a life extension supplement yeah um you really don't need that um now, I won't, you know, I don't want to retract that a little bit. I don't want to say if you have severe osteoporosis, I might not put you on a calcium supplement. Um, but certainly I prefer using uh, magnesium by itself and you eating more. Now, for some reason, I mean, uh, some people that just don't eat, they don't eat any vegetables or, you know, I love the athletic greens drink, but um, then I won't say, I won't say never to calcium. So, you know, that supplement has a lot of other things in it that I like, and it doesn't have the overdoses of calcium in it that I think a lot of people take that because, you know, you just don't want that. You just don't want to rely on calcium um, too much of it because it tends to go to your joints and your arteries. And that's the main reason um, I'd rather you get it um, in the, in the proper form of eating green leafy vegetables. So, um, a lot of it depends on the severity of your case and, and all. So I won't say blanket, no, but um, I will say, you know, that, that old recommendation that we used to say, take 1,200 milligrams of calcium daily for all women over 50. 
I just would say no to that. So otherwise, individualize it. And, and again, this is my opinion. You know, listen to your doctor. Uh, again, I always say this in the medical advice. This is my opi opinion. So um, if there's questions, talk to me if you come in to see me or your doctor. And, you know, your doctor may have a little bit different opinion of it. But, um, anyway, oh, thank you that for, that, for that, Molly. I want to get this from Angela here. Uh, I had COVID pneumonia in September. What's the protocol and timing for post illness follow-up, uh, x-rays, uh, anything else to look out for while the lungs heal, any other tests that should be done to ensure pneumonia is resolved? Yeah, I would get a repeat um, chest x-ray, preferably a, um, a CAT scan, low-dose radiation uh, CT scan is better, especially if you're having symptoms. But anytime I see any pneumonia on an x-ray, I like to follow it up just to make sure it cleared and there's nothing else that's hiding around, around, around that pneumonia, like lung cancer or something like that. Um, but depends on the situation, but definitely if you had uh, COVID pneumonia showed up on an x-ray, I would want to have a clear x-ray. Um, so yeah, definitely. And as far as blood tests, I'd get the Cleveland heart panel, look at your inflammatory rates and all this. And, um, you know, we don't want it to turn into a long COVID. We want to be aggressive with treating that. So great question. Great uh, thank, question. Thank we you had for, some great questions tonight. Yeah, thank you for that, Angela. And, and you know, he's mentioned the, the Cleveland Heart Panel quite a bit tonight. Um, that is through Quest Labs, and I know there's Quest Labs uh, all over the country. Um, so you can, you can find the Cleveland Heart, Heart Panel anywhere, even if um, you're not uh, around uh, a performance medicine. Um, okay, let's get this uh, Rigovi question real quick, and then we're going to have to uh, call it a night. Um, what results are you seeing from patients taking Rigovi? Uh, any problem taking it after surgeries? Um, I don't know if you're talking about weight loss surgery there, because um, that could affect uh, if you had, you know, the the banding procedure or ruin wire or any of the, you know, gastric bypasses. Certainly, you got to be cautious, but um, and you don't want to take it if you have um, a history of pancreatitis or um, history of medullary thyroid cancer, which is rare as hen's teeth, or something called MEN syndrome number two, or a family history of that. It's a very rare endocrine uh, problem, which is rare. So the, the normal person can take that. And yeah, I love Wegovy. Again, we've been using Ozempic. Uh, um, yeah, knee surgery is fine, fine. You can certainly do that. Um, it's not going to hurt you at all. Um, but yeah, I love Wegovy. I love Ozempic. It's the same exact medicine. Ozempic's marketed for diabetics, um, which we've been using for weight loss and non-diabetics for as soon as it's been out. And Wegovy was marketed towards weight loss. You can use it in higher doses. The problem with Wegovy is it's hard to get approved. It's very expensive unless your insurance uh, pays for it. So, um, but there's some ways around that. So, um, get with us and see, but we use the heck out of it. We've had a lot of success with weight loss, uh, with Wegovy and Ozempic. And, and so there's a few other different brands that, uh, are out there as well. Um, um let's, uh, let's just get this real quick from, from Janet. Do you think COVID will become endemic? Yeah, I do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get no this doubt. one real, real quick. If an unvaxxed person has COVID one week and finishes the five-day quarantine and then a household contact test positive, can that person get reinfected or carry the virus to others? Um, you know, if you're, it doesn't matter if you're vaxxed or unvaxxed, if you get code, which you're about equally likely to get, um, and you finish your quarantine, there's finally starting to realize that you don't need to quarantine for that long. You know, certainly if you have symptoms, you should stay put. Um, but, uh, but you know, another household probably is going to test positive. They're going to get it too. Um, you're not going to get reinfected or carry that virus to others. You're immune to it. So, um, uh, as you know, this is a respiratory virus. You're not going to carry it to it, carry it to them on fomites or through hands and all. But still, use your hygienic measures. But you know, no, I mean, you know, if you you don't need to quarantine just because somebody in the family has it. Uh, if you've had it already, um, if you're worried about it, you could certainly, you know, test and make sure you don't still have, you're still not active with a virus through a nasal swab. But, um, you know, again, as they're finding out you're most infectious the one to two days before you actually come down with any symptoms and the first couple of days of symptoms after that, pretty much it, it really goes goes away um, as far as infectivity. So I think you're safe. Um, let's see here real quick. I, we have a, a couple, I think I can answer real fast. Um, uh, the answer, uh, so Barbara, you can buy, you can buy knack for sure without an, apart, uh, without an appointment. Uh, if you're in Knoxville, there's uh, great places like Eddie's health shop uh, that I know has knack. Uh, our office in Knoxville has knack. Um, you can get it on life extensions website. Um, lots of different ways to, to get knack. And I think, uh, someone answered that for me. Um, let's see, uh, Therese asked, are we taking new patients? Yes. Um, and let's see if I can find any others that I can answer. Uh, what is TRT? Uh, TRT is, uh, testosterone replacement therapy. Uh, you want to add any to that doc, uh, uh no, about TRT? No. No, no, no. All right. So that's for you, Cindy. Uh, TRT's <clears throat> testosterone replacement therapy. Um, all right, guys. So that's going to do you know, it. They may, they, may have been, they may have been TRX, which is a form of exercise therapy that uses a lot of bands. Oh, uh, I bet that is what she's. That, I, I bet that is what that it maybe is. Maybe TRX. Yeah. Yes. That, uh, of course, uh, I don't think BJ or mine will mind me giving her a plug, but she's a master at TRX. Uh, wonderful exercise therapy using um bands just unbelievable yeah um, maybe that's what you're i don't know trt is testosterone replacement therapy but trx is something different I, that that could very well what uh be what they were were meaning uh there there's uh dr salmon's there at sozo life and wellness knack prevents spike protein from attaching to ace receptors thank you for for that there's a lot of great conversation going on youtube for the facebook people uh you can uh go go to this uh live um live q a and it'll it'll be saved on our on our youtube channel and you can go through the comments there uh lots of lots of great conversation going on uh doc i appreciate your time tonight man Thanks, Ben. It's been fun. Uh, guys, we will be back uh, next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Uh, we will um, get the, uh, the book recommendations in one place for you guys to, to check out. Uh, we had three new videos go up on YouTube today, one with uh, Dr. Sammons about, 
I believe it was about Lyme disease today. Uh, check that out if you're interested in really diving deep into Lyme. Um, and then uh, Robin Riddle had her explain this episode on uh, the statistics behind early treatment for COVID-19. Uh, so, uh, so check out that explain this episode. And of course, the Common Sense MD uh, was on, shoot, I, I lost it there for two seconds. What was it on today? What was the Common Sense on today? Oh, uh, the Common Sense was a great one today. It was uh, 2022. Yes. Uh, the year we came to our senses. Yes. So I really like that podcast a lot. And I'm putting this up because if you can get a hold of one of these, they're going to be worth something in the future. So <laughs> I'm going to save mine. I'm not going to get it out too much. I'm going to leave it in the box. And maybe 20 years from now, it'll be worth something. You know, It's not a bad idea, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, this has been the live Q&A show on Outside the Box. Uh, if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you to everyone who is with us tonight. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, to the podcast listeners, we love you too. Uh, we will be back next week at 7 o'clock. Doc, I'll see you then. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.